You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Huntivore Podcast, powered by Sportsman's Empire, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 105, Pressure Cooker of Emotions. On this episode of Huntivore, pressure builds as season openers draw near and Nick is presented with an opportunity to hunt elk in Montana. The combination of exciting new experiences along with adventure in a brand new environment builds a pressure of anxiousness, nervousness, and excitement. Speaking of pressure, one of Nick's tasks this week is to turn heavily worked venison cuts into easy bags of shredded goodness that can be helped with midweek meal prep all winter long. Seal up those valves. Pressure is about to build on this episode of Huntivore. Well, hey, folks. Beautiful Saturday morning. Thought I'd come to you from the porch to get the ambiance here of the Michigan morning woods. It's, uh, there's been a change, there's been a shift. Not so much uh, weather. I mean, it is it is apparent. I am noticing the the highs being a little less high, and the lows being just a touch lower. And there seems to be a a changing of the seasons that's beginning. There's a preparation for autumn. In our lives too, there's also been a change. School is back in session. One week down. Um, it was a toughie. Uh, I want, I don't want to say an absolute toughie, but a lot of effort was given by the kids, by my own kids and by myself that this weekend is really a great weekend to reflect process and kind of just, uh, diffuse 
let go of some steam so that we can get right back into the next week now that we're in the full swing of things. I'm hoping that things be a little less chaotic um, the next week. But I say all this in the fact that we as we as hunters are getting geared up for one of the big changes here, and that is the beginning of our seasons. We are we are on the cusp of of, of openers all across uh, the United States. Out west, openers are happening for. Uh, all sorts of species. Pronghorn has already been going on. We've got elk just around the corner, and I'll I'll touch a little bit on that. Um, and whitetails are heating up here uh, in the east. It's practice means something more, and last minute buys. We're into the moments where like. If you're going to get something online, like shipping is starting to get close, will I get it by opener? Will I get it in time? Uh, so there's been, it feels like there's this mad rush. It feels like we're in this this fever pitch right now of anxiety, excitement, and a whole lot of emotions that we're really not sure what to do yet. Um, talking with my cousin his response was, it feels like Christmas Eve getting ready for Christmas morning. I can see where he's going with that, and I can see where many of you would get those same feelings from that. I think it's even a little bit more. It's a little bit more edgy. It's a little bit more anxiety-filled, I guess, with the, with the still with excitement as well. Um, it's... We've done like if we were to make this a football analogy, we are done with two a days. We've put in conditioning. We we're feeling good, and now we're gonna put on the pads. We're gonna put on the battle gear, and we're gonna start hitting people for real. We're no longer walking through things. We've been walking. We've been prepping. We've been uh, visualizing what's going to happen. And now comes the true hit. We are going to not hold back. We are going to go full speed. And that is the, really the feeling that I'm getting, kind of reflecting back to my younger years. Even the idea of like the big match for wrestling is going to be that end of the week, and we're not quite there yet. We're still prepping, but it is upon us. We are, we are fine-tuning that edge. I mean, if we're looking at a at a knife edge, we're, we've gone from the coarse, we're over to the fine now because we are going to be ready to plunge that blade into flesh. It is, it is right there, folks. And I think I'm not the only one right now in our, uh, in our hunting and fishing fraternity that is feeling that. Things are very exciting right now. And I say this is because I've got a brand new experience this coming season. I will be heading out west, uh, and I say west, I'll be heading to Montana to do my own first go at elk hunting. I am going to be chasing a new critter. I am going to be chasing a species that I have seen on video. I am going to be chasing a species that has been something on a lot of a lot of bucket lists and it's been high on mine as an experience and to couple that with 
being able to just go see scenery that's going to be completely different from where I am back here in home. To go from the wooded flatlands to literally peaks that I'm going to be climbing and mountainous regions where I'm going to experience elevation that I have not experienced. I've only heard about and read about and and seen video about and now I have to prepare myself to be unprepared. <laughs> if that makes any sense. How do I train for something that I can't mimic here uh, in my own backyard, but I have to train as hard as I can or I have to tune myself as hard as I can to then be ready to then struggle. Um, the work isn't what's going to, to scare me. I've known that to be a thing. I've known that to be something that we've uh, that we're going to experience carrying the weight on your back, backpacking in general and uh, doing long trips in the wilderness. That's not that's not foreign to me. That is something I've enjoyed for many years. But now it's that shift where or that's the add-on task of not only am I in the backcountry just looking to survive and thrive, but now I'm going to be chasing an animal that I want to bring home. I'm going to be in its element and having to outwit this thing in a spot that I have not ever been. It brings upon a pressure. It brings upon an anxiety. It brings upon a nervousness that I I want to say, like, with all those feelings, it doesn't feel great, but at the same time, I know what it's doing to me. I know it's going to expand my comfort zone. I know it's going to make me grow. I know it's going to bring about some new solutions to old problems that I'm going to be able to bring back to my whitetail woods here that I can then have new strategy to kind of even chase a, I don't want to say a similar critter, but at the same time, our big game here in Michigan. And so with that, like I've taken a lot of advice from people and try to sort that out. It's a it's a like a literal fire hose of information. I have been able to consume so much information about chasing elk and relay that with the group that we're going out with and try to put together a plan and try to organize our thoughts and shoot organize our gear so that we're bringing out what we need and bringing out what we can use and not trying to overdo it with access that is going to be something that hinders our movements. But we want to try to be as light as possible so that we save our save ourselves. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a feeling of, of unknowing and trying to absorb as much information and turn it into knowledge, turn it into wisdom that we can apply. So that is my feelings right now. I want to say that if I'm going to put it also into a cooking analogy, we're looking at a pressure cooker. When you take a a piece of hardened meat, you take a piece of shoulder, you take a shank, a lot of connective tissue, a lot of tough uh, sinews in there, and you put that into a pressure cooker, you are taking heat and time and expounding that under pressure it is doing the job of something that would take a long time and making it into a short period of time and that's exactly what's happening here i am the piece of meat going into this capsule of 
13 more days until we head out. I'm in this capsule where I am going to be unknown the territory on the ground. I'm going to be looking at it. Uh, I've looked at it from a computer screen. I've looked at it from a phone screen. Um, we've understand paths. We've made plans. And all this is getting brought into this pressure cooker. And it's getting put to high pressure. Are we going to take this top off? And is it going to be an amazing transformation? Or is it going to be something that just completely falls apart and walks away unsuccessful? <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. And only time will be able to tell. Uh, but being able to temper my expectations. I think that's one thing, too, is that like ex I'm trying to keep expectations realistic. I did spend quite a bit of money for a tag and for, to update some of my old gear. And so I've gotten to, I've come to uh, grips with the idea that this might just be a very expensive backpacking trip. And I've, and I'm okay with that because I'm going to walk away with experience. I'm going to walk away with and it, it just an amazing time in a new place that I can enjoy uh, God's creation. But at the same time, I'm also going with the expectations that I don't get to do this very often. That this has been something that I've built up for, and this is something that I'm now ready to pursue. And it's kind of been in the works for a couple of years. Like we've been starting to accumulate things. Uh, we've been putting in points to make sure that we can get the tag. And now it comes to we're going to get a chance to do this, and I don't want to waste the opportunity. Even as one that I'm a, I'm a very self-proclaimed meat hunter, I'm going into this trip saying that I don't get to do this very often, and being choosy isn't an option either. That if given an opportunity, even if it is day one, given the opportunity... You seize that opportunity. You take that opportunity. Because from that, I am going to be so thrilled with the result that I get. I am going to be so happy to get that close to any individual elk that I can then be able to take that opportunity and celebrate that with a well-executed shot. We've been practicing our, our shots. We've been practicing our situations this next 13 days is really just going to be going through the motions of the practice of the drawing in different situations, holding, holding that draw for the right opportune time and being able to seize that opportunity when given. To be able to walk away and say, well, I passed on XYZ number of elk because I was waiting for something bigger in my realm right now as I'm learning as this is my first experience that seems that seems like somebody who would do that that is experienced folks that have goals beyond uh just having an opportunity and so where I've now come and seized and want to be able to take this opportunity the first opportunity and learn from it that is that is my game plan and that is my goal. And I'm proud to say that. 
because, yeah, I've worked hard to get to this point. And it is funny because it does feel a little bit like the world does really fight against you. That there are distractions and there are sabotages that even in this preparation stage are starting to get in the way. With as much planning that has gone in, there has been family events that have crept almost up to the day of leaving. There has been times of, hey, can you cut this short? Or are you sure this is the right time that you should be going? And trying to fight through that because with all the preparation and choosing this time, this is where we really want to to stick with it and try to just not let the world ruin it on the outside. Hunting and fishing is hard, especially when the world doesn't want you to do it. (laughs) So that is, in a nutshell, my feelings that I have wrapped up right now. When in the field, accuracy and precision count. That's why we switch our slug guns to rifle barrels, tune our arrows, and use a fish finder on the water. But why should our drive for control end there? The Tappacue line of meat probes gives an instantaneous look at the temperatures of our prized meals, both internal and the cooking chamber. Tappacue uses sturdy hardware made and assembled here in the U.S., along with their user-friendly, sophisticated software that connects to your smart device. Whether it's a traditional corded probe or the new cordless air probes that give you a wealth of freedom where wires would just get in the way. Adding a Tappacue meat probe can significantly help in getting to that medium rare on venison or waterfowl, ensuring your upland bird stays moist, or even charting your long cooks on a smoker. Visit Tappacue.com or find the link in the show notes. And use the code HUNT10, all uppercase, at checkout to save 10%. Adding a probe to your kit can make you one tap away from your kit. Okay, enough of this what is about to come talk. Let's go into the what can we do now talk. And that is get some more of our beautiful wild game, get some more of our beautiful venison prepared for this winter and this upcoming spring by making some freezer prep. One thing I'm doing is I've got a load of shanks that I have been holding on to. A few of those, we're going to do some whole shank work uh, this winter um, with some some really good dishes, some crockpot long cook dishes or uh, Dutch oven dishes. And, I mean, they're just great rib sticking awesome warm dishes that you can have uh during the winter time right now they don't sound good but they will sound good come here in uh, december and january but to take a bunch of those shanks and to actually prep them and even shoulder pieces that again are rolling around in our freezers right now that need to get used up that could get processed into something better Rather than lose the seal on that piece of meat and start to have uh, freezer burn take over, let's take care of those right now and prep up some shredded venison. And that's going to be my next task here uh, this coming week 
is I'm going to be getting the pressure cooker going. I'm going to be getting uh, the Dutch oven going, probably the crock pot too. I might even plug it in outside. That way I'm not pouring a bunch of heat. I know we said that we were getting closer to fall, but some of those high temps, um, it's still warm in the house, and you don't want to be cooking all day with all that heat. So bringing it outside, enjoying the weather, kicking back a few beers is going to be uh, the way to go. And so what my whole idea that I'm doing is I'm going to take my whole uh, bag of shanks, my whole little deposit of shanks, and uh, break those down in half. So when I when I bag them up, I bag them up. I used to bag them up whole, and now using um, after I've already pulled it off the deer and score uh, the around the meat so that I can get to that bone rather than have to take the time then to bone out all those shanks. I'm now just using a little sawzall, or if you need even if you have a bone saw, a little hacksaw that you can use. Uh, more tooth count on your saw is going to help when it comes to cutting those bones. As much as like uh, bone and wood are similar, there's just a hardness to bone that mimics uh, like a steel, like just mimics metal. And using a finer tooth but more teeth on the blade gets you a cleaner cut. At least that's what I've been able to find. The problem is, is those fine teeth get gummed up very quickly. Uh, if you don't score the meat around the bone, and even if you leave just a little bit of the sheath that's on the bone there, that can gum up those teeth and just kind of give you give you a headache. So to make sure that you get a finer tooth, really clean up that area as far as getting the meat off to the side so you can get that blade directly onto the bone, and just cut through the bone. Try not to, you know, where you run the saw all the way through, like get through the bone, uh, really kind of back off on the end of that cut, because otherwise you're going to make a, a jagged end, which isn't so bad, but just helps for presentation to have a cleaner uh, cleaner cut. So I'm going to be using those, those saw blades and cutting those in half. That way I can then really get the seasoning into the meat, I'm still keeping the bone in there. We're going to get a leaching out of the marrow that's on the inside. We're going to get that delicious fat that's on the inside of that. We're going to get that tissue to come out, draw out. So when I'm stacking these in that cooking vessel, I get max coverage of seasonings, and I'm also going to be able to get that marrow to leach out and seal that up. It's just going to be much nicer for me to cut those in half as opposed to put them in whole. Uh, whole would be fine if you have a really big Dutch oven, if you got a really big pressure cooker. I know some of the oldy, old school pressures, pressure cookers really can fit those whole things in there. But the Instapot that I have, it really uh, it doesn't fit in there quite right. There's a lot of extra space that I feel like we're wasting at that point. So being able to cut that in half just makes it a nicer size. You can also nip the ends off the other off the ends of the uh, shanks where you get the knobs. If you didn't want to mess with those and really kind of conserve space, that's a good thing to do as well. So I'm going to end up layering those in there, and I'm looking at two different seasoning blends. <coughs> oh, excuse me. 
I must be thinking hot and spicy because now I'm all of a sudden getting choked up here. But I am going to try to do two kinds. One that's going to give my venison the the kick that it's going to need for specific specifically barbacoa. Um, the Hank Shaw barbacoa recipe is by far one of my favorites that I just keep going back to over and over again. And I want to be one that, uh, that I add my own twist to things and that I really, you know, make things my own. And as Huntivore, I do, I, I want to make recipes of my own, but at the same time, I am totally willing to give a tip of the cap when somebody has really hit something on the head, and I know there's a ton of people out there that love um, Hank's uh, barbacoa recipe. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Stick right with that one. I've you know creased the page on that so I can go to that one uh, every single time, and I think he's got it on a link. I'll try to put that in the show notes as well, um, just because it's a nice, easy one to go to. It's very user-friendly, but at the same time, the result is just wonderful. You you. You stick to uh, what Hank has written, and it will it won't do you wrong. So that's going to be one batch of that, and I like to freeze that into one pound packages, um, whether it be for tacos, whether it be for nachos that we make, whether it be for something. If you just enjoy spice, uh, that's a great one to use. A lot of those deep, smoky, rich, spicy flavors from Chipotle's that really kind of envelop. Um, I know a bunch of people did get that wrong on Hank's <laughs> Hank's recipe, where instead of putting in three chipotle peppers, they put in three cans of chipotles. Um, that's always funny to hear or to, to reminisce on that one. So yeah, just make sure it's uh you know three peppers when you put those in per batch. If you like things spike, but the if you like things spicier, go ahead and add a couple more. There's nothing to say that you can't alter uh, alter those recipes. The other recipe that I'm going to go with is I'm going to add uh, I'm going to add the normal salt and pepper. I'm going to add some garlic to it. And what I really want to do is I want to make a a pulled venison that can now it doesn't have to stay in Mexican cuisine. It doesn't have to stay just in that specific realm, but it can now go into many different directions. So I want to have a spice blend that's going to give me the most versatility. This is going to let me think of a dish, know that I need to use pulled venison, you know, pulled meat and be able to use this pulled venison for it. So in my head, and I have yet to write it down, but we're going to put that together being like, yeah, salt, pepper, garlic, um, I'm thinking we're going to add maybe a touch of cumin in there. I really like the the flavor that cumin gives, kind of really bolsters uh, that uh, that venison flavor. And, it, you know, again, it's not uh, specific to any cuisine, but just adding a little bit of that. And maybe a touch of cayenne pepper, but not getting so specific on all of these. But I want something just to wake up the taste buds as we're as we're making this. But having just a few of those ingredients into that specific batch, that's going to open up uh, making sloppy joes or making veni joes at that point where I can warm this up again, pour on or pour in some barbecue sauce, mix that together, and that is a very quick meal right there. 
They could even be done as sliders where you mix in uh, your favorite barbecue sauce. You've already got your uh, buns ready to go. Layer that on. Add a little bit of cheese. Cover it with a little bit of a, a glaze, whether it be like butter and garlic, whether it be butter and sage, whatever you want to add to that. Pop it in the oven. And now you've got these sliders that are just ready to go. Um, it it could go in the way, uh, way of tacos. It could go in the way of... Um, even trying to do something where I've been playing with um, doughs lately. I've been getting into baking and trying my hand at using a, uh, a leaven dough, using yeast. Um, I want to start doing some sourdough stuff just to, you know, just for something to play with. And I had made uh, what I called bushy tail buns, which were a yeast roll with shredded, uh, shredded squirrel on the inside of it shredded bushy tails and that was a great little experiment i really liked it i did however really find that i made my my bun too big i used too much dough and so it really was you had a lot of dough and then just a little bit of the uh the meat on the inside and to try and play with that a little bit more have a a smaller dough see if i can't incorporate more of that shredded but to have a venny bun with a little treat of venison and onions on the inside, I think that would just be a really fun treat come, uh, come fall, come uh, spring, even as you're as you're putting things together, just as a, as a crowd pleaser there. But that's just a it's just a couple of directions. I know people have even done where they'll take chicken and cook the whole breast down, shred it, and then they throw that on a salad. Well, why stay domestic when you can make it wild and you can do the same thing with venison? You take that shredded venison, you'd be able to, to throw that on your salad, and now you're getting a taste of uh, wild game right during your, your lunchtime. Also, being able to get some mushrooms uh, from this year and being able to, to forage some of those. I've put a bunch away dehydrated and frozen. And to do a a cream soup with with these mushrooms, to do a cream of mushroom soup, not necessarily the condensed stuff that we end up throwing to a lot of our casseroles, but to do a real uh, mushroom soup. I've got the two varieties right now in my pantry. I had chicken of the woods, the big orange bright uh, fans, and then... I came across golden oysters that were, yeah, again, little fans that were coming off of a stump that I was able to harvest those, and I've dried those both out. But to bring those back to life and be able to cook those and soften them up in a cream sauce, to take that same shredded venison to bolster that would, I think, be an amazing dish as well. Um, even to incorporate that shredded venison into another soup, uh, be it like a French onion, where now you're incorporating a venison broth, but then you can take those bits of venison and leave it right in there uh, for to harden up uh, a soup at that point. I mean, a French onion isn't necessarily a, a light soup anyways, but to be able to bolster that with some uh, extra meat, I think that's going to help for cutting wood later in, uh, <laughs> later in the season when you need something to, to stick with you. So making something that's super versatile but it's going to take up far less space. Like we were talking earlier in this episode, season is right around the corner, and we have prepped all of our gear. We have prepped uh, our 
our bows, our guns, our whatever implement that we're that we're using. We've gotten everything ready to take on that uh, that critter. We've taken on the animal. But now again, what are we going to do after the shot? Have we made the space in the freezer? Can we accept this animal into our cold space where we can then preserve it until it comes time that we're ready to serve it? So taking what we've got now and be able to apply that into something that we can use later, be it with a cooked shredded in that liqueur of uh, broth that we're going to be making with that at the same time, all that congealed fat that's going to be in there, keeping that all together is going to make that a great uh, addition back into the freezer where we can pull it out and it hasn't gone bad at that point. It's cooked, it's prepped, and it's going to be an easy transition to the plate. So that's kind of my direction here is now I'm going to be focusing on those shanks, making more room in the freezer, using some of those shoulder pieces that hadn't really had an idea yet of what we're going to do with it and be able to apply those into something coming down the road. So yeah, that's what I got for you today, folks, is continue to make preparations in your freezer. And oh shoot, have you talked to your processor yet? Have you called up your processor to ask dates on when they are going to be accepting venison? Have you called up uh, your processor and seen if they're going to be expanding or if they're not doing uh, venison processing this year? These are all really good questions. This is that first stage in making the relationship with your processor if you don't have one. Because I can tell you, a processor that knows his hunter and can get tell him, hey, make sure you do this with your deer and make sure you do that with your deer is going to go a long ways into making your venison well taken care of. Again, good tasting venison starts in the field. And if you're taking it to a processor, you want to give them the best opportunity to make your venison absolutely great. If it's on the other end where you're bringing it home, do you got your gimbals ready to go or gambrels ready to go? Do you have the fridge in which you're going to house that deer if it's warm out? Is that prepped or at least you know that it's ready to go? I know mine needs a good spray out and a good cleaning from a summer of just a lot of beer in it. And we want to get that freshened up to accept the new, uh, the new flesh that's going to be going in there. How about your cutting table? How about your knives? What are you going to be doing with those? As much as we've been talking about prep to get the animal, maybe we take a day and a half to just think about, huh, what am I going to do after the shot? I know, we choose a lifestyle that has a lot of thinking and a lot of preparing, but I think you guys are going to be able to handle that. And I hope there's a bunch of people that are looking to get into the DIY aspect of cutting their own animal. It's an experience that really envelops you into what you have done even if it's cut a little bit odd even if it is ends up a little bit more ground than what you're expecting it's still a job well done it's a job taken on by yourself and a burger tastes oh so nice when it's come out of your hand into the your grinder and into the bag of your choosing so there's a lot of prep still going on, and so I hopefully I've given you a few ideas on what to do here with uh, your processor and getting your own DIY setup ready to go. I hope I've inspired you to go to that freezer and rather to look at it like, ah, oh, what do I do with this into how can I create something that's going to allow me 
many different directions down the road? How can I prep my freezer for success rather than have to pitch out of the freezer? That's never a fun thing. And at the same time, I hope you guys are also, guys and gals, I hope you are excited about what's going on to really take these feelings right now of anxiety, of excitement, of nervousness, and enjoy the process. Continue to make your plans. Continue to visualize through and how you're going to execute that shot and how things are going to play out. It may go your way. It may not. It's uh, That's why they don't call it grocery shopping. That's why they call it hunting. But enjoy this time because as we prep, as we get things cleaned and uh, treated with bug repellent, as we go through and we take the last little bit to uh, tune our bows and tune our arrows whether it be our knives or our broadheads make sure that edge is very sharp